and we're back for another episode of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break, Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, and the Inside Sports Fantasy Football. And here to talk with me today is my good friend. I know him as Tom Wong, but you know him out there as the man behind Lakerholics.net. Be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.net. It is Laker Tom. It's a wonderful holiday. Martin Luther King has uh, been such a major force in the, in the everything good that's happening in this country, and I hope we continue to see things move in that same direction. I think that uh, this is a, a great day for the NBA. The Lakers are doing wonderful, and I'm looking forward to the game against the Celtics. Just got done celebrating the 49ers going to the Super Bowl, and uh, looking forward to that on uh, February 2nd. Uh, my granddaughter's team just won their third straight game and are undefeated now in their CYO league. So everything is going well in the Wong household. My other, I have two granddaughters, actually. One of them plays AAU ball, and the other just plays CYO ball. So they're both doing very well. Or, uh, the other girl, Mia, has uh, won five straight championships uh, for CYO, and her AAU team is, is really a stunner. I'm looking forward to seeing her play high school basketball. Well, I'll tell you what, there's probably not much space left for all the trophies that you've collected <laughs> in that house. So with all the granddaughters winning all the awards and all that. But, you know, maybe you can go ahead and share some of that love out there with the rest of the people on when it comes to the Lakers, because sharing some of those Super Bowl tickets would really be hard right now, because I'm sure they're going at a pretty steep price for San Francisco fans and Kansas City Chief fans as well. Yeah, it should be a great game. I think the Lakers really proved something to a lot of people during the last five games with Anthony Davis out. Finishing with a 4-1 and record, taking down three teams. And that victory over the uh, Houston Rockets was something else. Uh, that was a game where we started off, we, we just couldn't seem to do anything right in the first half. Yet we hung around and were only down by six points. And then, then came that third quarter, and you really saw what the Lakers really saw what the core of the Lakers' success has been, which is their defense. Uh, the strategy, the the efforts, Kuzma guarding uh, Russ. Uh, he, also, he also guarded a little bit of James Harden as well. Yep, he did a great job there, and, and I thought it was really important because usually when Kuzma doesn't start off well, it doesn't end well. And that's been the problem with his inconsistency. You know, if he starts off really good, he generally has a – good game all the way through but if he starts off bad it just undermines his confidence and you see him start to hesitate and that's really the big problem with him that when he has to think the game rather than just play it naturally he shows his his inexperience and his immaturity as a player and it really hurts him and his confidence then just seems to tumble but this game here he came back after a terrible first half Rajon Rondo apparently made the suggestion to the coaching staff of having a bigger Kuzma guard Russell uh, to keep him from, you know, scoring when they were doubling up on uh, Harden. Uh, and that strategy and Kuzma's ability to implement it and deploy it uh, was a big part of the win. So it was great to see that. But what really impressed me was just the, the strategy that was deployed by Bogle, just as the players have seemed to continue to get better and better as the season has progressed. I think we've seen the same thing from Frank Bogle and his coaching staff. Those were some great, great strategies that they used on, on Harden, uh, always forcing him to his right to take away, you know, his favorite going left st uh, step back move. 
balancing and giving him different looks, having Danny Green play him one-on-one and then late in the shot clock doubling him up so that he has to get rid of the ball. The rotations were just wonderful. Uh, even even doubling him up, we were challenging almost every single three-point shot that they threw up there. And you can see the frustration. You know, we were also very physical with them. I think one of the things that's very common element between the 49ers' success and the Lakers' success are really two things, speed and physicality. Both teams basically were blowing by the opposing team using their speed and then not at all afraid of using their physicality to set a difference. LeBron just bullied the Raptors or the uh, Rockets into submission in that third quarter, and, and it was it was a sign that it's a type of it's a type of physical offense and physical defense that uh, really bodes well on the road and in the playoffs. It just leads me more to my point. Rondo is more of a coach at this point in his career than an actual on the court effective player. So I think his career is heading more and more into that direction. That was very astute on his part to go ahead and challenge Kuzma to play up against Russell Westbrook. And at times in that third quarter, James Harden as well. So who never thought we'd be talking about Kuzma and good defense? Yeah, no, that's a pleasant surprise. It's funny because uh, I just, I just got done watching a couple of videos uh, from Laker film room, Pete Zayas. Pete was basically talking about how the problem in the past has been Kuzma's sort of hops around when he's playing defense. You know, he doesn't have, he's got happy feet. He doesn't have his feet set in good position and so forth. So he always knows which one's his pivot foot, which way he's going. And it's that sort of stumbling, crossing over type of, of moves when you get surprised by somebody. He has uh, it on offense as well. Uh, yeah. You know, sometimes well, he, was very he was very hesitant in yesterday's game. And I kept screaming at him, shoot the ball. You know, I mean, it's, it's what I do against my girls all the time. I'm out there yelling, and, and one of the girls complained yesterday, saying, God, you coach, you're always yelling at us. And I was yelling at them. They, they got behind and didn't do well. But the Kuz, you, you, can't, you can't just break down the offense by not taking that open three when you get it. No matter how confident you are, you've got to forget that last shot and let it fly. Um, and he was very hesitant there. But on defense yesterday, uh, if you watch him, but I watched the third quarter again, just because it was so pleasurable. And his defense was excellent because he was within himself all the time. And he made a strict point to stay in front of the band he was guarding. And, and he wasn't didn't have the happy feet that he usually has, where he's always jumping around and, and getting leaning the wrong way at the wrong time. So this is a it's a good positive step. Um, whether you whether you believe that Kuzma is going to be able to grow enough to remain as part of the cog of a championship team this year, or whether you're hoping that he just increases his trade value so the Lakers can pull off a deal for somebody who will fill that role and make it better, you have to be happy to, to see Kuz come in and play really well at but both ends be- of the court. And that becomes the bigger question is if we can go ahead and get enough in return to replace or upgrade upon what Kuzma brings to the team because he's obviously making a decent case for himself over the past two weeks for not only staying on the team, but, you know, being someone that is going to be a valuable trading chip. But again, it's a matter of conjecture or it's a matter of opinion. GMs out there on the other teams may not have as high opinion as we do right now and vice versa, because we see Kuzma every day 
other teams may not. So it's just hard to see exactly where these teams align themselves in their positioning and in their thinking as far as where Kuzma stands as a value, as a commodity, mm-hmm. you know, as a trading chip. I, I don't want to say commodity in, in, in a, as far as a human sense, but again, as it's also often referred to within the confines of the NBA, you know, or pro sports in general, sometimes players themselves refer to them as commodities because of their, their fact that they're just called assets and things of that nature. So, yep. you know, when it comes to Kuzma, you're not sure exactly where he falls in that line. You know, we, we talk about Bogdanovich, we've talked about Covington, we've talked about Bertans, we've talked about so many different types of players, commodities themselves, being traded for him and whatnot, but nobody's pulled the trigger on it because they, maybe it's because of Kuzma, the value that, that they perceive him as. It's, it's just hard to figure out exactly where Kuzma stands with the rest of the NBA. I think it's also different between the way that we look at him and look at Kuz as a fan versus the way the general managers look at him. And it's also, I think very specifically the general managers who are running the teams with the guys that we would like to trade him for, you know, what do the Pistons think of him? What do the wizards think of him? What do the Kings think of him? What do the, uh, tra- uh, the uh, Timberwolves think of him? And in all of those cases, I think the one thing that's pretty evident about the NBA is that it's, it's an opportunity league. You have to be in the right place at the right time in order really to succeed, unless you're a transcendent, transcendent talent like LeBron or somebody, you know, Michael Jordan or Kobe Bryant or somebody like that. And so I think the, the biggest example that, that gives me a lot of faith that the general managers who might trade the Lakers, Derek Rose, Robert Covington, Bogdan Bogdanovich, those are those those general managers are all teams that really can use a star. And the closest comparison I can see to what Kuzma could be on those teams is what Brandon Ingram has become on the Pelicans. The opportunity to not have to play with a superstar, with two superstars, the ability to have starter minutes, to be a starter, to be a closer of every game. That's something that there's going to talk themselves into it's why you make those trades i mean you're not going to you're not going to be able if you're a team like the timberwolves or the kings to get a top-notch guaranteed superstar player nobody's going to trade you know uh, a real star for to one of those teams because they don't have anything to trade back in that's in value but they're going to look at the players that are not in the right position that aren't good fits on the lakers that might be great fits on their particular individual teams. And I think every one of those general managers can make a pretty good case that starting on their team, Kuzma could really be a star. He has that potential. He's a big-time scorer. Even though he hasn't shown the statistics for it, he's got a pretty good head for when to drop off the pass and so forth. And he's not, an unselfish, he's not a selfish player who's just concerned with his statistics. So all of the all of the... I think all of the traits that general managers are looking for are there. I also think, too, that Lakers management probably values Kuzma more than most of us fans do. That may seem strange since the team is in a win-now situation, but there are certain things that the team is actually looking at that, that gives you a little faith that they're not willing to just jettison the future entirely for this season. You know, I think the, the way they've remained patient and kept 
uh, Boogie Cousins on the roster to me is part of a play to eventually get him signed to a two-year deal next year and end up with three years service so that he, we get his bird rights. And I think also too the the way that uh, Troy Daniels and and Quinn Cook and and even uh, Jared Dudley have played uh, have exemplified that we're a lot deeper team than a lot of a lot of general managers and and pundits out there think we are. So I, I don't think the Lakers are eager to make a move right now. I think they want to see what's going to happen over the next three weeks. There's only been a couple of trades, you know, two or three trades that have really happened. And I think everybody's sort of waiting until that first week of February. I think you see a lot of action at that point in time. But a lot of teams, too, are are watching their cap space for 2021 and are really being careful of that situation. So I don't think it's going to be a, a while. It's not going to be like last year's free agency uh, period where it seemed like everybody in the league got traded. I think we're going to see a few deals made. Uh, a lot of teams just don't know whether they're buyers or sellers at this point in time because of those seventh, those eighth spots in both the Eastern and Western Conference are wide open. They're they're being held right now by teams with losing records. So if somebody comes along and starts to perform really well, they could find themselves to be you know buyers rather than sellers. And so some of the sellers out there could turn into buyers. We just don't know at this point in time. I still believe Kuzma will be traded. And I think he'll be traded for one of those four players that we just talked about. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. That is by far my favorite because it's also character driven and the stakes are high and there's much more of a mystery and intrigue to it. A game like Wolfenstein, which people are saying are one of the most socially important video games of the past 10 years. Catch our shows on radio worldwide seven days a week or at any time on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts or on over 30 more podcast outlets. Once again, I have Laker Tom. You know him better on Lakerholics.net. You got to be a part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.net. Plus also check out his great articles on medium.com. And he also goes ahead and sends that over to Lakerholics.net as well. There's a great conversation with Laker fans every single day. Jamie Sweet, so many other great people that are there. They they always talk about the Lakers, all the great things that are there when it comes to Lakerholics.net. I also put out a article on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com about the Lakers at the halfway point. I just threw it out there, saw it sticks. I know I've been asked to write for a little while by Laker Tom and some other people about the Lakers. So I went ahead and did. Hopefully you'll get a chance to check that out as well at popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. But I actually told Gerald when that article came out that I thought he was a better writer than he is a podcaster. Oh my gosh. Um, It was a terrific article, well-researched, basically reviewed exactly how the Lakers got into the situation that they are, where, where they find themselves number one, you know, they find themselves with a second best record in the league, the best record in the West, a four and a half game lead. Uh, I think we're number four in offensive uh, rating, number three in defensive rating and number two in net rating in the NBA. And we have, including the Grammy trip, we have the second easiest schedule the rest of the way to in, in the Western Conference. So the, it's, the, that was, a I thought, a fabulous article, Gerald. And, and, and I'm hoping that uh, we'll get a lot more of that type of stuff for you on Lakerholics.net. 
you know how to write as well as to open your mouth and talk. Well, I hope so. That's what a national university education hopefully taught me. <laughs> so anyways, I will try to do so, try to accommodate that. I know also I've been asked to do more pop culture writing as well. So I look forward to go ahead and taking up the challenge there. But I'm not so bad at podcasting now, am I? No, but it's uh, sometimes you, sometimes uh, your second talent is uh, can be very threatening toward that first talent. That's but, true. Uh, it's a jack of all it's a jack of all trades type of situation, and I think what comes through in it is what comes through in your writing that that uh, really impressed me was sort of your knowledge about the game. And on the podcast, sometimes you seem to defer to your guests an awful lot. Uh, and you do a great job in that sense is that that you try to make the podcast very often about your guests and the subjects that they're pushing on it. Uh, when you write, it's just all you, which is one of the nice things that we get sometimes. You get an opportunity to really express yourself and to show the depth of your knowledge and insight on the Lakers and or whatever subject it happens to be. I've listened to lots of your podcasts on Pop Culture Cosmos. And and you're definitely got an eclectic sense of knowledge that that you do a great job of looking for those little insights and the things that make it interesting to talk about. Hopefully you won't hear this latest episode, although I, I actually I do want you to hear the latest episode out there, everybody, when it comes to the pop culture cosmos. Although there's probably a 45 second clip where you hear me sing. All I say is, please forgive me, everyone, out there <laughs> when I do. So I had to do it. I was in the middle of being egged on to go ahead and do it. I had to go ahead and try out some carpool karaoke. You know, it's just, you know, for the pop culture stuff, but I digress. But the Lakers are right in the middle of the Grammy trip. It's always the, one of the biggest road trips of the year for the team and also the Clippers as well. They're they're experiencing the same thing. So it's not like, you know, one side and the other side. It, it, both teams are actually out and about across the country going ahead and playing teams. Houston is already at the first stop already won there boston we're they're they're going to play later today as we're talking and of course the rest of the trip you know there's there's still formal challenges so we've got to talk about what's coming up ahead in the lakers schedule because there's some good teams that they're still yet to play new york and brooklyn no they're not great teams but philadelphia you also got to look at them you know joel Embiid might be back by that time so we got to go ahead and beware because if he's back he's going to be back fresh and strong for him, that could be a problem for the team. And then on the 28th, you know we're going to be talking about it on next yep. week's show, the matchup again with yeah. the Clippers one more time. Well, I hope that, uh, you know, we get back from that Grammy trip, and and I think both of us were predicting 4-1 and one on a Grammy trip, so we're 1-0 and oh so far. Um, I figure we'll win those two games against the New York area of teams. It's still going to be interesting because when you when you take a look at the, if the Lakers have the second best the second easiest strength of schedule right now for in the West for the rest of the season. Once we get done with the Grammy trip, we've got to be close to being having you know because we're facing a lot of good teams in that Grammy trip. So you figure that uh, I, our odds are going to be that we'll have a much easier schedule. Hopefully, we're starting to get healthy. But I think what's even more important than that we're starting to see. The entire team play a lot better. Um, some of that depth that seemed to have disappeared early in the season with poor shooting, Cook and Daniels basically, uh, you know, sometimes sometimes the best thing that can happen to you is to lose a player like AD for a little bit of time, to open a door and give an opportunity to some other players to show what they can do. 
Um, you know, it's great when you never have to rely on next man up, but it's even better when you find out that you have a next man who can take that spot, can play well. And I think we've awarded just excellent contributions from everybody, good adjustments from the coaching staff and so forth. I'm hoping that we're going to see Rob Palinka come through and, and, you know, make some moves. We still haven't heard a, even a whisper from Darren Collison's camp as to what's going to happen with him. Um, there haven't been any bites on the trade for Iguodala. I keep hearing that, uh, that Memphis is continuing to, you know, proclaim that they're, you know, that they've got all sorts of offers out there that people are interested in trading assets for Iguodala, uh, which doesn't really make sense. Also, I think there's the issue that if, if it looks like he's going to get traded to a team that's not a contender, I don't think Iggy is going to hesitate at all from saying, hey, let's, let's just do a buyout instead of that. He's going to want to determine where he plays. And then there's the Kuzma question. Um, it's a big, this is probably next to the Anthony Davis trade, the second biggest challenge that that uh, Rob Palenka has had. What do you do with Kyle Kuzma? You know, especially what if he continues to play well? What if he continues to, you know, put in 18 to 20 points per game, starts to play good defense, starts to distribute the ball, the Lakers continue to win. I'm not one who believes that the great chemistry you have is dependent upon any one or two players. I definitely think, you know, you could always bring in somebody who can kill the chemistry, but you definitely, you know, the Lakers are pretty smart about that. And, and I believe if they do make a trade, it's not going to hurt the chemistry of the team. But there's a lot of people out there, especially in the Laker fans, who basically at this point in time are so in love with the chemistry of the team that they don't want to rock it one little bit. They don't want to do anything. You know, they want to keep Kuzma. I, you know, uh, the question then is what, what do you do if you, if you have a chance to sign Collison and Iggy? Who goes? Who are you going to cut from the team? Right well, now. Jared uh, Dudley's number one. Jared Dudley's number one. So. <laughs> well, you know, hey, you know, I just, I just took a look. I just took a look at the team's defensive ratings. Guess who's like number three in the defensive ratings individually on the Lakers? I get that, but okay, you cannot tell me with yeah. a great face that Jared Dudley you would want in the middle of a playoff run ahead of Darren Collison. No, I wouldn't, and and I'd say that probably about six or seven guys on the team. But the other side of it is that. Um, when you look at the balance of the team, depending on what we're trading and what we're getting back, we don't have anybody else to back up power forward at this point in time. So if you make a trade for, let's say you make a trade for Bogdanovich and you sign Collison, you're so guard heavy that, you know, I think, I think one of the things that I'm happen, I happen to be thinking about now too, is that while we want to hang on to the future and we want to always be planning to, you know, replace to bring in some new blood and to, and to promote some people that are improving players. In other words, we're not going to just completely ignore in a win now mode where you're a hundred percent win now and you don't care about next year. You know, the Lakers have never been a team that's just interested in one championship. We're interested in creating a team that's capable of winning multiple championships. But every time you go back and look at the history of those multiple championships we've won, there've been key moves made the second and third year key players who've come and gone and, and the team has evolved. It hasn't stayed static. You know, it just doesn't, just doesn't happen in today's NBA. THT, that's part of the future that I think is going to get traded. I think he's going to be part of whatever the deal that we make simply because we don't lose another rotation player in that man, because he's just not playing at this point in time. 
And most of the reports I read about him, even though he's got tremendous upside, is that he's probably two years away from being an impact player that's going to really get rotation minutes. That's an awful lot to keep. It's one thing if you've got a two-way player who falls into that category, but when you're taking up a regular roster spot, plus you're holding one for Boogie, that means that you got two wasted roster spots that just aren't going to get any playing time at all. And depth is important. So I think that the THT may be part of any deal that we happen to make. We'll probably make a two for one trade unless, you know, unless we got, and then what if you Iggy wants to come too? Um, so there's a lot that happened. Uh, uh, next week, we've got to have a nice talk about what's going on with the, with the, uh, the trip that we're just finishing on and looking up at the, the game with against the Clippers that uh, I'm sure by that time is going to be designated as a must-win game for the Lakers since we've lost two games to them already. And we'll be, we'll be approaching the trading deadline. The next call, I think our next podcast after that, will be probably about the trading deadline. But it's interesting. I think that the Clippers game, last time before the Clippers game, I was out for LeBron guarding Kawhi Moore and double-teaming the guy and getting the ball out of his hands. I think the strategy that we saw deployed against uh, James Harden, why allow those guys to beat you when you can have somebody else who's not as good take that shot? I think that, that and Kawhi's, Kawhi's not a guy who forces that issue like Harden does even. Kawhi's a guy who's going to make the smart play, just like Magic would. He's going to pass that ball. I don't want to see us have eight different guys guard Kawhi Leonard next time. I want to see the ball pushed out of Kawhi Leonard's hands and the Lakers double team him throughout the entire game. I think that's the strategy. That's the strategy that we're going to see slowly evolve from the Lakers. I think we saw a sign of it against Harden and it's going to be very similar thing against uh, Kawhi, I think. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers fast break podcast. Hey listener, Dutch here from Voice from the Underground, the podcast. My co-host and I want to invite you to check out our little corner of the podcast verse. At Voice from the Underground, we talk about all the crazy (laughs) happening around us and try to make a little bit of sense out of the nonsense with little to no results. If the idea of hearing three semi-intelligent, outspoken nerds talk about politics, social issues, current events, sports, movies, pretty much anything that we decide to talk about because, well, it's our show, appeals to you, grab your shovel and come on down to the underground and then consult a qualified psychotherapist. Find us wherever you get your podcasts, just not where you buy your weed. Boys from the underground. When it comes to the trading deadline, I'm just hoping that there will be no more bad trades and that... Hopefully, you know, Rob Palenka can go ahead and learn from his mistakes from last season and the two trades he made that were really poor that ended up really bad for the team. No more Svi-Mihalik trades that really cost the Lakers a young asset without getting something in return that's really going to be beneficial for the team. I mean, I don't mind mind selling the the long term for the short term. I think they have Mm -hmm. to do that because, again, it's just going to get – more uh, tough. For, it's going to get tougher for them next season because you have teams solidifying themselves. You have Golden State. You have so many other variables that are going to come back into play for next season. Right now is your win now. Win now is the point. You don't know how much longer you have LeBron at this level. You've got to go ahead and make moves now, but you've got to be smart about it and not make trades like you did last year where just basically you got nothing 
in return. For- You're talking about the Zubac trade and the SV trade. Yes. Two young assets. Right? Two young assets mm-hmm. that are now gone from the team basically for nothing. And ended up they played lousy. I actually didn't think those were bad trades. <laughs> I did. I, I, I was I really liked Steve. I really liked Steve. And he's playing um, outstanding with Detroit. He's playing outstanding Detroit. Forty one percent for the three point line. He's just outstanding. He's doing fine. The problem always was his defense and 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 yeah. that's also I think that the the uh the trade for Zubak, I think, was just a trade that would have had to have been made. We would have had to let him go anyway, just in our pursuit of the cap space to go after Kawhi. So oh, he yeah, would have been I, gone I'm one sure, way. But we could have made a more sound trade could have, for, for yeah. assets down the road, draft picks, something like that. The other the other side of that that you can flip it around is I'm not so sure those were his trades. I, you know, Magic Johnson was the man who was doing the wheeling dealing at that point in time. And those Maybe. trades were more likely Magic Johnson trades than Rob Palenka trades. Let's hope so. And let's mm-hmm. hope that streak does not continue the next time we try a trade. Yeah, I, I well, it'll be interesting because it, if a trade happens this year, it's going to be Kuzma. You know, I, I agree. I think he's I the only, he's the only play. He's the only trading chip that we really have. And I also think that if we sign Collison and or Iggy, we may we may decide just to not have a trade. We may just take a chance and hold on to it. Yeah, you know, a lot of it depends on what's available and so forth. I don't think we're going to make a trade just to make a trade. Um, no, no, uh, it has to be something it, worthwhile. Yeah, the the only time I think we might be forced to make a trade is if we can't sign Collison. Yeah, then I think we have to have we need we need that second playmaker real badly. Yes, and I and I think that at that point in time you have to make a deal. You may, you know, it may end up being the deal that you wanted, which is the Derrick Rose trade, you know? Well, like um, I said, I made a package deal. I thought that was great because you get mm-hmm. not one, not two, but uh, three players who can be part of your rotation. Two of them right. that can stroke three-pointer. Your power forward situation would be solved. And, no, they don't yep. play great defense, Christian Wood and also Markeith Morris, but they do shoot the three-pointer, and they can help you win games. And ES, you know, ESPN trade machine said it was plus 13 wins for the Lakers. You know, not a bad GM, right. am I? No, and it, well, you know, God knows what Detroit is doing. I mean, that's just a strange franchise. Um, they hired a player agent, Arm Kellen, you know, just like the Lakers did. And and I don't know what he's doing. He, you know, he, the, the, the trade for the guy from the Clippers, you know, was just an, an incredible bad move taking on that huge contract and, and all of the problems that, that uh, the injuries now, uh, now they're getting rid of everybody. Basically they're, they almost have the entire team up for sale. So it'll be interesting to see. Collison's the key to our, to our February 6th. We need to sign him. He's the most important thing. Cause if we sign him, then whether we keep coups or not, doesn't really matter. I think. If we don't sign him, we almost have to trade Goose for a point guard somewhere, somewhere. But we will check it out indeed as the days and hours come up upon the trade deadline. Those trade wins will keep blowing. And right here at the Lakers Fast Break and also Lakerholics.net, you'll be able to get your fix on what's going on with the Lakers and all the heavy rumors, all the trade stuff, all the stuff that's going out there on social media, all the stuff that may be true and maybe not so true 
as long as you know we're going ahead and covering it right here at the Lakers Fast Break and also as well Lakerholics.net. If you can and you have some questions about you, you know our show for your for Tom, myself, TJ, or anyone else that's appearing on the show, please go ahead and send us a question or comment as part of a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And also, if you can, subscribe to us on whatever you get your podcast on. We truly appreciate it. If you can, and listen to us each and every time a new episode comes on the air. If you cannot thank you enough for doing so. But for us right now, you can also follow us at Laker Tom, at Lakers Fast Break. But for Lakerholics.net, Tom, do you have any words for the site on the way out? No, it's been, been a great week at Lakerholics.net. Uh, we've had some terrific conversations. There's been a lot of controversy about Kyle Kuzma, but pretty much been a celebration of, of the win over the Rockets and, and how impressed everybody has been on the coaching strategies, the the efforts by the, you know, by the entire bench, the way that Kuzma has answered the bell now in this third game, the fireworks should be ready to go. And uh, the conversation is going to be hot and heavy on Lakerholics.net. Yes, it will be indeed. Well, Laker Tom, it's always great having you on. Cannot wait to our conversation next week when we'll talk what happened as the aftermath of the Grammy trip and also as well the upcoming impending clash once again between the Clippers and the Lakers. I'm so eager to talk about that when we talk next week and when we get together right here on the Lakers Fast Break Podcast.